Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. You are listening to a sermon series through the book of James, entitled, Wisdom for Life. The Bible reading is from James chapter 1, and from verses 13 through to verse 18. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he had created. It's a familiar story. A person gets caught red-handed, and immediately he starts blaming anyone and everyone except himself. Rather than admitting It was me. I messed up. I'm sorry. We start blaming circumstances, other people, or the devil, or even God himself. And blaming others for our mistakes seems to be part of our human instinct that goes all the way back to the very beginning of time. In the story of Genesis, when God confronts Adam and Eve for disobeying him, Eve says, It's not my fault. It's the snake's fault. It's the devil's fault. He tricked me. And Adam says, It's not my fault. It's the woman's fault whom you put here. So if we really think about it, it's actually your fault, God, for putting the woman here in the first place. And he blames God. Well, not much has changed today. People still blame others and they blame circumstances and they blame the devil. They even blame God for their mistakes. Now, up until now, James has been dealing with trials, difficulties and hardships in life. Then all of a sudden, in verse 13, without any warning, he suddenly changes topics from trials to temptations. And that is how temptations come, all of a sudden without any warning, when you least expect it. And in my experience, temptation always comes when I feel my most vulnerable. I'm tired after a long day, I'm stressed about something, I'm hungry, I'm alone, I'm vulnerable. You know what I mean. It's when your energy levels are depleted, you are exhausted, you're tired, you're hungry, and you're all alone. And that is when you feel the most vulnerable. And it's when you feel the most vulnerable that you become short-sighted. You... You don't think about the long-term consequences. And then all of a sudden you hear that voice in your head saying, Come on, do it. You're worth it. No one knows how much stress you are under. No one understands what you're going through. Besides, no one will even know. And you'll enjoy it. You'll love it. It will really satisfy you. Let's get away from all the problems and the stress of life. Life is too short. Let's enjoy life. Look how good it looks. Just try it. This once. What harm could it possibly do? 
And we try it. And we have given in to temptation at some point in our lives. Right? Right? We have all been there. We have all been left with that that feeling of guilt and regret and shame. And so James, Jesus' little brother, gives us wisdom for life. Wisdom on what to do when we give in to temptation. And he writes in James chapter 1 and verse 13, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. Apparently, some of James's readers were actually blaming God for, the mistakes and, for their mistakes and failures. And they were thinking, well, surely God is in control of all things. So therefore, God has clearly wanted me to be at this hotel all alone. And God has clearly led this prostitute to the same hotel, knowing that I would meet her in the bar and find her attractive. So God obviously wants me to be with her and what chance have I got of resisting the will of God? And that was their excuse. They were actually blaming God for tempting them. But James makes it abundantly clear that we cannot blame God. And we read in verse 13, For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. God is not the author of evil. God does not bring trials and hardships into your life and God does not tempt you to do evil. The reason why there are trials and hardships and temptations in life is because we live in a fallen world where evil, sin and death rule. The world is not the way God intended it to be. It's fallen. It's broken. So don't blame God. James is very clear about this. In verse 17 he says... Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming from the Father of heavenly lights. God does not send evil and suffering and temptations into our life. No, everything that is good and perfect in life is from God. Anything that is not good or perfect is a distortion and a corruption of the good life that God intends for us. However... God does use trials and temptations to test us. God does not send trials and temptations, but He does use them for the good. To develop our character, to make us better people, to make us more like Jesus. But there's a big difference between a temptation and a test. When we're at school, the teacher sets us tests. But the teacher does not set us a test hoping that we will fail, hoping that we will give the wrong answer, that we will be tripped up. No. They are hoping that we will pass the test. They are hoping that we will do the right thing, that we will grow and learn. That is a test. A temptation, however, is where you are trying to get the person to fail. You are trying to get them to do the wrong thing. You are tempting them to do the wrong thing. God never tempts anyone. God does not cause evil. He does not wish evil on anyone. And He does not try to trip anyone up. It's completely against His character. He only wants what is best for us. He only wants what will help us grow and become mature, to become better people, to become more like Jesus. So, 
if they don't come from God, then where do temptations come from? Where do temptations come from? We read in verse 14, But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Now it's interesting to note that James does not say that temptations come from the devil, evil itself. Nor does he say that they come from the fact that we live in a fallen and broken world, the the circumstances of life. Now both of these external factors, the devil and the circumstances of life, clearly play a part, as James mentions later in chapter 4. But the real essence of temptation is not external factors, but internal. It's internal. It comes from within. Temptations come from within, from our own evil desires. Just as Jesus says in Mark chapter 7 and verse 21 to 23, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. All these evils come from inside. So when you've messed up, when you've made a mistake, ultimately there's only one person to blame. Ourself. It's my fault. I messed up. I did it. Now, all of us have desires. Some desires are good, others are evil. No one only has pure desires. Now, we do have good desires, but we also have selfish desires, greedy desires, lustful desires, evil desires. Some people will say, well, I need to be true to myself. These are the desires I have. These are the desires that God has given me. So, I just need to be true to myself. If you're going to be true to yourself, you will end up a mess. We are not called to be true to ourselves. We are called to be true to Jesus. And we need to choose wisely which impulses and desires to follow and which ones to resist. And James uses a fishing illustration of a bait and a hook. Of being enticed by the bait and then being dragged away by the hook. We are initially enticed by our own evil desires, but then we get hooked and dragged away. We become addicted and powerless to change. Oh, I'll just try a little drugs. I'll just try a little pornography. Just a little gambling. Just a little gossiping. It'll be fun. What harm could it possibly do? And we become so focused on the bait that we don't see the hook, and before we know it, We are addicted. James then uses an illustration from the maternity hospital. And we read in verse 15. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. It all starts with a desire. And if you sow a sinful desire, you will reap a sinful action. And if you sow a sinful action, you will reap a sinful habit. And if you sow a sinful habit, you will reap a sinful character. And if you sow a sinful 
character, you will reap destruction, death. You see, the bait that enticed us offers us so much joy and satisfaction and life. But in reality, there is a hook which drags us away and leads to death. An affair offers so much fun and excitement, but in reality, it destroys relationships, it destroys families, it destroys communities, and ultimately, it will destroy you. So what should we do? Well, it's important to note that desires, even evil desires in and of themselves, is not a sin. You see, desire only gives birth to sin. We, we all experience tempting thoughts and desires. That's not the problem. The problem comes when we do not deal with those thoughts properly. When you flirt with that desire and you entertain that desire and you allow that desire to conceive, that is when it gives birth to sin. As the old saying goes, you can't stop a bird from landing on your head, but you can stop it from building a nest. So the first thing you need to do is starve the desire. You see, you can either feed a desire or starve a desire. So how do you starve a desire? Well, when a tempting thought comes into your head, immediately stop thinking about it. Now the problem is, if you try to not think about something, you'll end up thinking about it. So if I was to say, don't think about a pink elephant. Whatever you do right now, don't think about a pink elephant. What are you doing? You're most probably thinking about a pink elephant. You see, as long as you're trying not to think about something, you are actually thinking about it. So what is the solution? Think about something else. You see, God has made us, especially men, so that we are only able to think about one thing at a time. And the best way to overcome tempting desires and thoughts is to immediately start thinking about something else. And to immediately start doing something else. And you have to have an absolute resolve to change your thinking. You can't merely wish that the tempting thoughts would just disappear as if by magic. You need to have an absolute resolve to change your thinking, to stop thinking about it, and to start thinking about something else, and to start doing something else. Now, of course, if you've been addicted to a certain thing, then it'll be difficult to stop desiring it. Because it's a habit. If you repeat a certain action for about two weeks, it becomes a habit. But you can create a new habit of immediately stop thinking about it and actively starting to think about something else. And if you do that consistently for about two weeks, then you will start to develop a new habit and it will become easier. And of course, you may have to avoid going to certain places. If you're an alcoholic, then don't go to a bar. Now, everyone is different and has different temptations that we are struggling with. So you know what yours is. And therefore, you know what places you should avoid. You don't want to put yourself 
in temptation's way. Secondly, don't be deceived. We read in verses 16 and 17, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. All temptation is from, oh sorry, all temptation is a form of deception. We are deceived into believing that we can enjoy the bait without being caught by the hook. We are deceived into believing that we can enjoy sinful pleasures without any consequences. That we can eat as much as we like without getting fat, take drugs without getting addicted, have an affair without anyone getting hurt. And we're also deceived into believing that God is just a killjoy who doesn't want us to have any fun. That God says, for example, do not commit adultery because He wants to rob us of fun and enjoyment. James says, don't be deceived. Sure, there might be a lot of excitement and adrenaline initially if you have an affair, but it will be short-lived. It will lead to regret and guilt. It will lead to betrayal, hurt and anger. It will destroy your relationship, your family, and ultimately, it will destroy you. God is not trying to rob us of fun and enjoyment. God is trying to safeguard us and our marriages and our family and to ensure that we can experience the most profound sexual fulfillment through an exclusive and committed relationship with our partner. You see, the truth is every good and perfect gift is from God. He wants the very best for us. So don't be deceived. Lastly, we need to experience new birth. We read in verse 18. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be, be, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. This is a reference to experiencing eternal life. God is good. God's whole essence is goodness. And He wants what is best for us. And even when we give in to our desires and we give in to temptation and it gives birth to sin and death, God still remains good and He still wants what is best for us and He still chooses to give us the greatest gift of all, new birth. Spiritual birth. God's greatest gift to us is the gift of salvation. That we can have our sins forgiven. That we can be set free from the addiction to sin. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can experience all that Jesus wants us to experience. And we receive this new birth through the word of truth. And the word of truth is referring to the good news about Jesus that through faith in Jesus, we can be forgiven and we can receive the Holy Spirit, which will empower us and enable us to overcome temptation and to become more and more like Jesus. You see, our desires gave birth to sin and death. But God's desire, God's choice, gave birth to forgiveness and new life. 
So practically, what do we do when we have given in to temptation, when we have messed up? Well, we must not blame anyone else, especially not God. We need to admit it, confess it to God and ask for forgiveness, and ask God by His Holy Spirit to help you to starve evil desires and not to be, de- be deceived, but to trust God's goodness and follow Jesus' example. And remember that God became fully human in the person of Jesus. And He experienced every single temptation that we experience. There is no temptation that you have experienced that Jesus did not experience. As Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 states, For we do not have a high priest, referring to Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So God is not sitting back and saying, Why are you the way you are? Why do you desire what you desire? What is wrong with you? No. Jesus says, I've been there. I know what it's like to be exhausted, tired, hungry, all alone and vulnerable. I know what it's like to be tempted, tested and tried. I've been there. God understands. He knows personally. But although Jesus has experienced every temptation we experience, Jesus never gave in to the temptation. He did not sin. He did not sin because He was helped by the Holy Spirit. And we have the very same Spirit that helped Jesus. The very same Spirit that helped Jesus is available to help us. And that is encouraging. And Jesus says, I know what it's like to persevere, to endure, to hang in there. I know what it's like to overcome temptation. And I know you can do it with the help of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're not a God who remains aloof and distant, who is unable to empathize with us. But you are able to empathize with us in every way because you have experienced every temptation just as we have experienced it. You know what it's like. You've been there. You know it personally. And Father, we thank you that you provided us with the perfect example in Jesus on how to overcome temptation. And Father, we do confess that often we have given in to our desires, into our selfish desires. We've given in to our selfish and greedy and lustful desires. We've fallen into temptation. Father, we pray that you would forgive us. We thank you that you do choose to give us new birth. And Father, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would help us not to, to blame others and to blame circumstances or to blame the devil or even to blame you. Help us to stand up and admit, put our hand up and say, It was me, I did it, I got it wrong, please forgive me. Help us every time we fall into a temptation to to admit it, to stand up and try again, and to call out for your Holy Spirit to help us. And Father, we pray that you would help us to starve the desire, to starve those evil desires, those sinful desires, those tempting desires. And Father, help us never to be deceived, but to realize that every good and perfect gift comes from you. And that you want the best for us. And even though it seems like the hard way, and even though at times it will be the hard way, ultimately it leads to life and blessing. Father, we pray that by your Holy Spirit you would help us and empower us to overcome temptation. 
We thank you for the example of Jesus. And we pray that you would empower us and enable us to become more and more like him. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.